0: Hello and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome like anxiety, obesity, health and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. This week, we're going to speak with a corporate attorney turned mindset coach, Marina Benzikin. After graduating from Brown University and NYU School of Law, Marina was practicing as a corporate attorney before she decided to leave that as she became a mother and had four children and then began looking at a next career to get that fulfillment that she really yearned for. Marina then settled upon mindset coaching. She is the founder of marinabecoaching.com, and in her coaching career, she focuses on empowering clients and helping them find their authentic self. I'm excited to speak with Marina and dive into mindset and how to be our best selves. Enjoy this conversation. So welcome, Marina, to the podcast. I'm very happy to connect with you today.
1: Thank you, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Great. So why don't we start? You have a very interesting story about how you became a mindset coach. So I'd love for you to share with the listeners about your background and how you moved into mindset coaching.
1: Sure, absolutely. So um, I started in a land very far away from mindset coaching as a corporate lawyer in New York City. And that was something that I did for about four years, and it was grueling, and it was tedious, and it was intellectually stimulating, but um, my soul was not stimulated at all. And I thought a lot about how I really wanted to be not only doing something with people, but really in a, in a capacity of, of serving and helping people. Um, why I entered the field of law to do that is another story, but um, that wasn't really happening in this in this context for me. So um, I had my first child about four years into my legal career, and used that as my exit. And I went back to school for a master's in social work, and then I had my second child while I was in school. They were pretty close together, so I decided to take a pause, and then. Before I could resume, I got pregnant again. And this time it was twins. So then I have four kids under the age of four and everything is kind of turned upside down. So at that point, um, I clearly did not go back to school at that moment. And we actually decided to move out of the city into Westchester. So outside of New York, outside of New York City. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, it was just kind of like a crazy time managing four kids so close together and um, so many of my friends had left the city to go to the suburbs and they were staying at home taking care of their kids and I was really kind of a laughing stock because I said so many times I will never be a stay-at-home mom and I will never live in the suburbs and both of those things happened at the same time Mm -hmm. right before my eyes so um, I kind of was like drowning in the you know, anxiety and craziness of of early motherhood. And, um, you know, I really loved and loved being a mom, but it was just really frantic and I completely lost myself in it. And um, I struggled with depression and anxiety throughout that time, which had been something that I'd struggled with as a teenager also. So that wasn't new, but the environment was certainly um, ripe for those struggles to come back. And then um, I started to dive deeper into myself and started to really try to dig for what it is that I wanted to do. I've always loved to write. So I took some time and did some writing and editing as a freelancer. Then I went back to school again for a master's in teaching and really loved it. But but then decided at the end of it, it's not quite like, it's not really hitting me where I wanted to hit me. And I was determined to keep going and to find that thing. And then somehow life coaching came into my world and it just like something clicked. And I just I just knew immediately this is something that I want to do. And I had done so much work on myself and so much digging into myself to really find my passion and my calling and my purpose that you know it sort of I I found that thing, which is coaching. And at the same time, that's what I want to do as a coach is help people find their purpose and their passions. Here I am. Yeah. And the, and you know, the mindset, and we can talk about this a little bit more, but the emphasis on mindset is really because it really took me looking inward. And that's like a shift in what I'm looking at instead of focusing on everything outside of me. It was really tapping internally. And, and looking at things from that perspective to, to really find myself. And I've learned that so many things in our lives, in fact, everything, or the quality of our lives is dictated by the way that we see things and interpret things and react to things. And that's what our mindset is. It's the way that we look at things and the way that we think about things. So that's a universal phenomenon because every human being has a mind and every human being has a mindset. And so, um, it's something that's you know can really change your life.
0: For sure, yeah, that is an amazing, powerful story. And wow, you've done so much um, schooling and stuff along the way, working really hard, and and then finding that purpose. That must feel great, kind of in the end. It's so, about yeah. Yeah, I mean, many of us struggle, I think, with mental health. And you mentioned depression, anxiety, and I talk a lot on the podcast about anxiety and, and other mental health issues. How can coaching really help us then to find our best selves? And then does that in turn uh, sometimes help with some of those mental health issues?
1: Yes, certainly. So, So as I said, as I did with myself in my own journey, coaching is a lot about becoming aware. It's a lot about tapping in to who we are at our core. And that often comes along with kind of stripping away all of the labels that we've assigned ourselves, that the world has assigned to us, all of the roles, all of the ways in which we identify ourselves that may not serve us, and really accessing who we are underneath all of that. And, um, Finding out what our values are, what our priorities are, what we really care about. And, you know, what happens when you struggle with something like depression or anxiety is that it's a little bit of a self fulfilling prophecy because you kind of become buried under, again, that label, that name. Well, I deal with depression or I struggle with anxiety or I am depressed. And it's one thing to acknowledge it and honor it and do the things that you have to do to get through it and to, and to, um, live with whatever it is that you're living with but at the same time you need to kind of let go of that notion because we we identify ourselves with that and as that thing and that can become a crutch and that can become a crutch for kind of staying what we think is safe and not really going out in the world and finding out who we really are does that make sense?
0: No, I was gonna say that absolutely does make sense. I remember, you know, when I was kind of newly diagnosed in terms of anxiety and sort of having that feeling of, yeah, like, is this me now? Like, is is this all mm-hmm. that is, I have? Should I, you know, change how I live? Do I just avoid anything that, you know, increases anxiety? Like there is sort of that struggle there. So you're right, the labels can be powerful. And I've had other times you know, even in my professional career where I've moved maybe from management um, into a working position and then sort of felt that too, like, oh, that label is gone. And like, now who am I? I'm not in charge of people. I'm not, you know, this level. Um, So I think that does make sense. But stripping that away to, to find out who you are, and what you want deep down, I guess.
1: That happened to me in my role as a mom, you know, I became Mm. Mind, I can find myself in my role as a mom that I kind of lost track of all the other parts of me. And again, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because then I hung on to that identity out of fear of not finding something else. But then that's sort of self-sabotage because I'm not trying to find something else if I'm hanging on to it. So you're be yeah. willing to let go a little bit and explore. And, you know, letting go comes with, you know, A lot of willingness to take risks and to put yourself out there and to fail. Mm -hmm. And to
0: not always kind of have that, that net of whatever that label is holding you there. So how does one, you know, in those cases, I guess we've both been able to kind of self-identify an issue there, but how does one know if they're maybe off track in terms of their purpose? You know, are there signs that you should look for that you're not really living to your full potential or is it just something
1: that you just know? It depends on the person. Um, you know, some people just know some people, it just takes really asking them very purposely. Um, and it really just takes taking some time to become aware of how you feel. I mean, how we feel about ourselves, about our lives on a daily basis is going to be a huge uh, clue. If we're feeling good and we're feeling productive and we feel like I do think that that's a little bit of an instinctual feeling. Like, are you feeling like you're living the life that you want to live? Or are you feeling kind of stuck? Sometimes it's about looking at your behaviors and your actions. And are those aligning with your values and the things that you really care about? Or are you maybe stuck in certain behaviors that don't serve you, but they're you think they're serving you because they're kind of keeping you safe where you are which is a little bit of what i was talking about before um but you know a lot of self sabotaging behaviors can you know you it could be and and it looks like a lot of things you know a lot of different types of addictive behaviors whether they're around food or drinking or netflix watching or shopping or um you know all sorts of behaviors that are precluding you from doing anything else. But what's happening then is that if you look at your life and you think I'm not really doing things that I actually care about. So there's like a, it's not aligned, right? Like you wanna look at your life and are the things that I'm spending my time doing and the people that I'm with aligning with my values and what I really care about. And so a lot of what we do in the beginning of a coaching relationship is go through these assessments where you, you talk about and identify and reveal for yourself, what are the things that are most important to you in your life? What do you care about most? We go through a lot of prioritizing and ranking. And then we look at, are you giving the areas that you characterize as the most important in your life the most effort or not? You know, where is the alignment?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think the other thing I guess I'm thinking of is that sometimes we get kind of in this track of busyness. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like you're just you're going from thing to thing to thing. Um, And that's where I think I'm thinking that, you know, maybe people do miss that they're not even living that full potential because of the busyness. Does that
1: happen? Absolutely. And then what happens is that the busyness becomes an excuse. So I'm too busy to stop. I'm too busy to think about what I want. I'm too busy to look for a different job. I'm too busy. I'm too overwhelmed with my life to think about whether I'm actually satisfied in my life. Mm -hmm. And you have to be really willing to kind of reel that back and look at how fulfilled or not you are. And if you're not, you have to be willing to see that maybe the busyness is actually becoming something that you're creating as a block. You're sort of creating your own block so that it it seems like it's an outside circumstance, but really you're creating it. And that's again about, you know, as human beings, like we have our survival instinct kicks in all the time. We just want to be safe. Our brains are always trying to keep us safe and that holds us back a lot. So, um, so yeah, the busy, the nonstopness, that definitely is, Something that could prevent somebody from seeing themselves that they're not doing the things that they want to do. So they have to somehow end up in a situation or even a conversation where they just stop for a moment and think.
0: Yeah, and I would think that with the pandemic, I think that's probably caused some people to probably stop and then Reevaluate during that time. I mean, it's maybe not the best time because it's a, such a time of heightened stress. But um, at the same time, people probably were able to notice a little bit there.
1: Yes, yes. And we're just starting to see now. You know, for some people, that's going to prove to be really productive and and revelatory, and they're going to make changes or are already starting to make changes based on what they've learned about themselves. For other people, it's coming with so much anxiety about, you know, there's a little bit of, like, post-traumatic, um, post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. that's occurring as well as anxiety about reentering the world. And so those things can also couch whatever discoveries may have gone on, you know, internally. So, again, a lot of awareness and a lot of what I talk about in my coaching, which is mindfulness, which is something that I, I use and bring up a lot, can be very useful to um, listen to ourselves and find our inner voice and hear what it's saying.
0: Right. So that kind of goes into my next question. You mentioned mindfulness. I'm interested more in some of the tools that you're providing your clients and then how you really guide them through
1: that journey to achieve their goals within your coaching business. So um, coaching is very individualized. So every client and every client coach relationship is going to be different because every person is different. There are some people who really lend themselves well to um, assessments and worksheets, and they really want that kind of work. And I have tons of assessment and forms that I use that I give to clients at the very beginning, um, and also sometimes throughout our, our coaching to for them to really put down on paper things like what we were talking about before, you know, um, prioritizing and listing what are the things they care about the most, how would you rank them in order of, you know, most important to you to least important to you. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the life wheel, but it's a concept like that where we go through every area of your life, Um, you know, personal, personal um, fulfillment, emotional well-being, physical well-being, physical environment, relationships, career, finances, all the different areas, and dive into each one and then see where are they the least satisfied or where do they want to start, what do they want to start with in terms of making changes. Um, so there's tons of that kind of sort of paperwork, which is, it's not tedious paperwork, but it's just a place to start. And it's very helpful for a lot of people to get it down on paper When sometimes just talking, it kind of everything just stays in their heads. Um, Speaking of getting down on paper, journaling is a tool that I use a lot kind of as as a suggestion. Um, Not so much homework, but I do recommend it to a lot of clients, especially when we're talking about things like becoming mindful and becoming aware of when they're finding themselves stuck in a certain behavior that they don't actually want to be engaging in. And when I encourage them to catch themselves in those moments and then they're like, well, what am I supposed to do in that moment when I catch myself? So the first thing I always say is pick up a pen and paper because writing is a tremendously powerful tool. When you take something from your head and put it out on paper, it cuts the power, the, it, its power in half. You know, especially when it's like something that's really weighing on you, the minute you get it out of your head, it weighs half the weight. Um, so mindfulness comes in a lot of different forms and meditating is something that I talk a lot about. Sometimes I even, um, talk my clients through very short meditations because mindfulness is about creating space around you and within you to separate yourself from all of the circumstances around you. And only with that kind of space, can you really get to know yourself? And only when you get to know yourself, can you really find out what do you like? about your life? What do you not like about your life? Where are there changes that you want to make? You know, the example that you gave about us being so busy, there's no space there to be with ourselves when we're constantly busy doing a million things and with a million people. But when you introduce a practice like meditating, it kind of forces some time and some space to be created around you. And that's when things happen. That's when creativity comes in. That's when inspiration comes in. That's when awareness comes in. Um, And along with meditation, there are some exercises that I do that don't have to be done in the context of meditation, but they're all about releasing tension in our bodies that we don't even know we're carrying. So very often you might walk around and if I said to you, release the tension in your shoulders, your immediate thought might be, I don't have any tension in my shoulders. But then if I say, well, see if you can lower them. And usually we can. The shoulders is a place where we carry so much tension. And you realize that you were kind of holding your shoulders higher up than you need to, that they actually can go lower. And when we release tension in our bodies, it actually signals to our brain to release tension and, you know, release this grip that so many of us carry around. We grip onto, I'm not going to list them now, but a million different things. And it's again, out of this fear that we don't have control over the world. And there's so much uncertainty. So we hang on to so many things so tightly and that we lose opportunities to learn and grow when we hang on so tightly. There's a few, a few thoughts.
0: Yeah, no, those sound really good. Um, And you're right. I am one of those people that, uh, Holds a lot of tension in my shoulders. I had a doctor say that it's like I'm wearing shoulder earrings, right? Because they sort of like creep up towards your ear um, when when they get really high and you're, you're very stressed. So that makes a lot of sense. And I like the journaling idea about, I was going to ask you what form, but it seems like it's sort of like an in the
1: moment free form journal. Yes, yes. absolutely. Um, sometimes... And again, this is going to be client dependent. Some people need really specific directions, get a notebook and a pen. And whenever, you know, at this particular time or when you're feeling this way or that way, pick up that notebook. And for some people, it's just wherever you are, whatever you're doing, when this issue comes up that we're talking about, grab a pen, grab a paper, grab your phone if that's all you have. Writing with um, handwriting is always better in terms of that cathartic feeling, but a phone is better than nothing because at least you're getting the thoughts out of your mind.
0: Nope. That makes a lot of sense. And so within your coaching, are there specific goals that you specialize in? We've talked a little bit about, you know, career kind of purpose. um, But then do you sort of apply these tools and, and sort of to all of your goals? I guess that, I guess
1: that kind of leads into the life wheel. It does. And you know, the concept of mindset and your mind being such a powerful tool, and thinking about how you look at things. And one of my favorite sayings is by somebody named Wayne Dyer. He said, "When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change." Hmm. It's all about you know what lenses are you wearing with which you're interpreting the world, and that that concept applies whether you're talking about your career, your marriage, your relationship with your children. Your um, hobbies, you know whatever whatever it is, so um, it does really span all context. Something that I end up talking about a lot is that notion of identity loss, because a lot of my clients are moms who have lost themselves in their identity their roles as moms, and they want to find out who else is in there and um, so that becomes and that that then goes into career. And that goes into their relationship with their significant others, with their children. Um, it goes into what they love to do, aside from anyone else in their lives. Um, and that also goes into uh, self-sabotaging behaviors. So you take one person in one context and you can cover you know, all the different areas in a person's life. So what happens is every human being is a whole person. So no matter what they show up with, It's always going to be about more than just that thing that they show up with.
0: Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And so kind of coming off of the conversation there of identity loss. So Mm -hmm. if somebody is feeling that way, like what do you tell a client when they know that they're not living into their potential? Maybe they know that, you know, they've kind of lost their identity and there's something out there for them, but they're just really terrified of actually doing something about it and and maybe what they feel like they might lose or you know how do you,
1: how do you work them through that so the first thing that i say is that fear is a given and most of us want to get to a place where we are not afraid before we do anything but if we wait for that the time will never come so we have to get to a place where we can accept that fear is going to be there no matter what and the thing is We have to accept that fear is there, but not let the fear be in our way. So I have this visual of kind of taking fear from in front of you and putting it to the side of you. Saying, okay, fear, you can hang out right here with me. I'm still gonna move forward. You can come along, that's fine, I don't care. It's not gonna stop me, I'm still gonna move forward. So the expectation of it not being um, scary needs to go away and nothing is ever 100%, nothing is guaranteed. And that's why there's fear, right? If we were guaranteed a result, we wouldn't be afraid. Mm-hmm. But nothing we do is a guarantee. So there's gotta be a willingness for things to not go the way that we want them to go. But the, the problem is when you go there, that's when people, I call it the land of what ifs. People live in the land of what ifs, right? What if it doesn't go wrong? What if, I mean, I'm sorry, what if it goes wrong? What if I embarrass myself? What if I hurt someone? What if, what if, what if? What if? And so I have two things that I say to that. One is, so what? Like, what's the worst that can happen? And I will talk clients through every single step. And I will take them really far into the so what. They'll have an answer for everything. And at the end of the line, it's not life or death. Mm -hmm. At the end of the line, it's like something feels really, 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 really awful. But that's just a feeling. And feelings don't kill us. And the other thing i do is let's flip the what-ifs. Of course, there's a chance that it might not work. Of course, there's a chance that somebody might get hurt or you might be embarrassed or you might fall on your face. But isn't there also a chance that it might work? What if this turns out to be the best opportunity in your life and you didn't know? What if you meet somebody amazing through this? What if you discover a talent that you had? What if this ends up being the best thing you ever did? So for every, every negative, there's a positive. For every potential fear, there's a potential gain. So it's really about being willing to embrace both because nothing is all or nothing. Nothing is that black and white. So I wonder, just as we're kind of working this through,
0: I guess I'm thinking it just feels like coaching and therapy are so close, I guess. Like there's just so many of those similar conversations, similar tools. Mm-hmm. What would you kind of say is is the big difference? Or, um, you know, if somebody is working with a therapist, what they would gain by also maybe having a coach?
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. So. Coaching is really focused on the future. I would say the present also, but the present moving into the future.
0: Mm.
1: Now, the past, of course, comes up because if you've been stuck in a certain lifestyle for a while, you've been stuck in a relationship, you've been stuck in a, in a um, pattern of behaviors that don't serve you, the past is going to come up. And the past comes up when we talk about letting go. Of the tight grip that we have on the past, letting go of the ways that we've identified ourselves in the past. So the past is relevant because it's brought us to where we are, but it's very future focused and it's very client-centered in that it's an empowering process where it's actually not just client-centered, but it's really client-directed. It starts with the client, and of course the coach is pulling this all from the client, and that's what the coach is there for, but that it's a client agenda always that dictates. The relationship and dictates the sessions so it requires a client to be proactive and to be motivated and to be self-directed to a certain extent to actually want somebody to help guide them through the steps that they need to take in order to get to where they want to go whereas therapy is more of a digging expedition where you come with whatever you're coming with these emotions and this baggage and this struggle And you kind of open it up and you dig and you see where it comes from and you try to make sense of it to see how it became what it is and why it is that it's affecting you the way that it is. So that's kind of like understanding what's gone on for you in your life that has led you to where you are now and diagnosing very often a problem that you're dealing with now, whereas coaching is kind of taking where you are and up-leveling. Based on whatever it is that you're that you're um, expressing that you want and moving the client forward towards those goals does that make sense
0: yeah oh absolutely no I'm, I' so I do see that they actually couple well together then
1: yes yes they really do um, I have several clients who work with a therapist as well as as with me and um, it's actually can be a great um, Sometimes it's a great start off point for a conversation because we talk about, you know, where they are in therapy and that will get them to like, well, now that I understand this, you know, I want to move on and build this from it. Um, So it can actually be really useful.
0: Amazing. Okay. Um, are there any additional tools that you would really want to mention to listeners at this point or any key takeaways that you want them to have?
1: you know one big takeaway well there's there's I guess two and they're and they're related one is really about having a growth mindset and that's that goes into you know of course mindset work and shifting your mindset shifting from a place where we're really fixed on who we think we are who we're supposed to be who our parents told us we were supposed to be what society tells us we're supposed to be what our friends are Um, you know, what expectations we had of ourselves and shift shift that into what else is out there for me? Do I want more? And if so, it's there. It's just about being willing to be open and to continue to learn and that willingness to fail and, and to be able to, again, shift your mindset and think of failure as just a form of learning. Failure is just a form of learning. When you fail at something, it's just because you're in the process of learning how to do it. It's not the end of the line, unless you decide that it's the end of the line, which brings me to my second point, which is all about choice. Life is all about choices. And it really is true that we can have the life that we want, but we have to believe that we can. We have to believe that we actually have that power. And we have to be able to see everything that we do in our lives as choices, even those things that we feel are chores the things that we go around dreading, I have to do this, I have to do that. You know, sometimes I'll take, I'll say to a client, well, what would happen if you didn't do this thing that you're dreading? And they'll give me, you know, whatever consequences happen. And I'll say, okay, so you could choose to have to not do it and then have that consequence. And they're like, well, yeah, but I don't want that. And I'll say, okay, so you're actually choosing to do this thing. So then that kind of shifts your perspective and something that you were dreading You can now sort of think about like, oh, yeah, I'm actually choosing to do that. And that's empowering in itself. So those are concepts that I use and talk about a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that would totally um, kind of flip how you're thinking about it for sure and, and make a big difference. And I think I'm sure a lot of the the clients that you see get very inspired by your story. I mean, you didn't find your purpose overnight, right? Like you really had to try things and stick to it and try other, you know, totally other things um,
1: before you got there. I, oh yeah, I had to, tr- and you know, sometimes when you describe it, when I describe it in one fell swoop in a long sentence, it, it sounds all pretty and tied up in a bow, but it's not, and nothing is, you know, it was... It it was a long journey of trying, and then feeling stupid, and feeling like I couldn't commit to anything. And what does this look like? And you know, all these thoughts and fears that I myself had, you know, while dealing with some some mental health hurdles too, um, and some relationship hurdles, and and you know, a divorce, and you know, it's it's not all pretty, but yes, I do. I myself feel inspired by it because. It's a story of continuing to put another foot in front of the other, another foot in front of the other. Just keep trying, keep going after what it is that you want. And you'll know when you find it. And that doesn't mean it's the end either, because now I'm a life coach and I love it, but I'm still always learning about myself, which helps me then help my clients and learning about different kinds of coaching and different kinds of clients. And so I really think of it as, Yes, I found the area that I want to, that I landed in, and I want to be here, but I never think of it as the end of the line. You know, I think of life as, um, what is it that I say to my kids? You never graduate from the school of life. I tell them when they're trying to count how many years of school they have left. And I'll say, don't count the years. You never graduate from the school of life. And they're like rolling their eyes at me. But that's, that's how I think of, of life is just like learning as you go and you keep going until you stop. No,
0: absolutely. And I think,
1: you know, the one
0: thing I didn't know, I guess, when I was much younger was how much you change in that time. I mean, even your comment about never thinking that you were going to live in the suburbs and, you know, be a stay at home mom and stuff like that. But as your circumstances change, you change, like you get things that come up in your life, you know, be it an illness or, or other things as well that just change you and the things that you picked at 20, maybe to do with your life don't apply at 40 or 50
1: or does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know what? I'm sitting here at age 44. Talk to me in 10 years. Who knows? Maybe I'll be somewhere else. You never know. But having that openness is the only way that you will discover if there is something else. If you're fixed and closed and um, kind of defined by the identity that you that you have assigned yourself and you live kind of hanging on to that gripping. I'd love to talk about this grip because I really visualize people as I was for a long time, just kind of holding on really tight out of fear. Then you never know what you're going to miss.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: So how can listeners find
0: out more about your offerings as a coach and about you either on
1: social media or online? Yes. So I am on Instagram at at Marina B Coaching. Um, I also have a Facebook page with the same name at Marina B Coaching. And my website is com, And that's Marina, the letter B is in boy, coaching.com.
0: Perfect. So I will link those up in the show notes for the episode as well, so that everybody is able to find them and to check out everything you're doing
1: at Marina B Coaching. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This was really a great opportunity.
0: No, thank you. This was uh, great information. And it, like I said, your story is so fascinating. It's so interesting to hear about um, your journey. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much to Marina Benzikin for speaking with us this week on the podcast. I really learned some valuable tips, Um, specifically loved her focus on mindfulness and journaling, as well as some of the tips that she had in terms of knowing when you need to start looking at whether you're tapping into your full potential. I also loved her quote that failure is just a form of learning. If you want to find out more from Marina, you can visit her as she mentioned on Instagram at Marina B Coaching, Facebook, as well as her website, marinabcoaching.com. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I'm excited to announce the launch of my author website, www.se-german.com. On this website, you can find out all the information about my publications, focused areas on my novel Pendulum by S.E. German, where there are questions for parents as you work through the novel with your children, as well as teacher resources that can be used in the classroom. There's also information about the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast and recent press. Please visit www.se-german.com. And while you're there, you can scroll to the bottom of the homepage where there is an area to subscribe to my email list to get updates on my writing, events, and the podcast. And when you subscribe, you get a freebie. The freebie is a 30-day self-care calendar with 10-minute ideas to do self-care every day for 30 days. And you can join us for the June 30-day self-care challenge. Visit www.se-german.com. I wrote a book. I'd love for you to check it out. Pendulum by S.E. German is available now. Pendulum is a heartwarming story that follows a young boy who experiences mental health challenges like anxiety, OCD and depression, ADHD and tics following an infection. It turns out he has a little known disorder called PANDAS. The book follows the young boy as he struggles with his health issues as well as regular middle grade issues and it can act as a wonderful catalyst between you and your children to talk about mental health issues and other things that are going on in their life. Pendulum is available online through Amazon Worldwide Barnes & Noble, the Friesen Press Bookstore, and a number of other online retailers worldwide. And you can check out chapter one, the audio version of Pendulum for free on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast in episode 64. I hope you enjoy Pendulum by S.E. German and let me know what you think.